Speaking of Mysteries. I'm Nancy Clare, and today I'm joined by Deanna Rayborn to talk about her new crime fiction novel, Killers of a Certain Age. Welcome to the podcast, Deanna. Thank you, Nancy. It's a pleasure to be here. So first off, before we start talking about the book, which is fabulous, uh, I, want oh, thank to mention, you. <laughs> I want to mention a recent tweet of yours, uh, and I'm going to quote. Oh, no. The more I'm interviewed, the closer I am to completely anarchic responses uh, in reaction to Kate Bush's frustration at always being asked about running up hills, obviously asked by uh, interviewers with no sense of uh, metaphor. Uh, so I laughed out loud when I read that. So please, if there is any question that you think you need to go anarchic, or how do you pronounce that? Uh, Anarchic. I'm going with anarchic. Anarchic. Uh, if you want yeah, to go, because totally I'm embracing anarchic. the anarchy. Yeah. Go with it, please. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the permission. Um, you know, we're we're early on um, in the the tour events so far, so I I may be fairly well behaved for you, Nancy. <laughs> I'm I'm a little disappointed, I think, but uh... no, I figured you would be. <laughs> <laughs> so. In your acknowledgments, you cite your editor who said you should write a book about older women. And you went and chose to make them hands-on action characters, total badasses. So how <laughs> radical, how counterintuitive, how delicious. Please talk about them. Oh, I love these women so much. Um, they are... God, they're who I think we all want to be when we grow up, you know, like apart from the murder, uh, which is, you know, something we could probably do without. Uh, but they they are just they were so much fun to write uh, for starters. I had an absolute ball and I always have fun writing, uh, but they are they are just so much more over the top and completely self-actualized and unfiltered and unapologetically themselves that it just was an absolute joy to kind of let them free and see, you know, where I could go with them. Uh, they, my publisher, this is the first time this has actually happened to me where my publisher came to me and said, you know, Hey, we, we would love a project about older women doing something really kick-ass and that was the entire brief. They said, we don't care when it's set. We don't care what they're doing. We don't care any of the specifics. We just would love to see a book with older women um, really being just badass. And we thought you were the perfect person to write it. And I said, great, that sounds amazing. And I came back to them and said, um, I figured out what I want them to be. I want them to be assassins. And I want this book to, to be contemporary. And that's when it kind of required a huge leap of faith on their part, because I've never written contemporary before. I've only ever written historical. The, the most recent setting I've ever used is the 1920s. So I had like a century of catching up to do. Um, and they were, they were very brave and they, were, they had tremendous faith in me and they let me do it. And um, every step of the way, you know, my editor was there pushing me gently um, to say, okay, you know, this, this, is, this is good. Um, and, you know, there's the, that kind of unspoken uh, butt hanging in the air. Uh, she said, I, I think we can go further. I think we can do more with them. And so every time I, I would, you know, kind of go back and, and 
dig in and go further with them and push it. And anytime I thought maybe I was going a little bit too far was when I would get the note, okay, this is fabulous. I love this. And I was like, okay. So that, that's apparently the brief is just to be as bonkers with it as I want to be. Um, and just have the best time writing it. And that's what we ended up with. So we'll talk about older women and by extension, uh, your characters and, uh, and invisibility in, in just a little bit. But let's start with the killers themselves. There's Billy, Natalie, Mary Alice, and Helen. And they've worked for the same organization together and apart for 40 years. So the book opens in 1979 with the killer's very first assignment, which is an assassination with the quartet posing as cabin attendants. And once the plane reaches cruising altitude, they have no qualms about dispatching their targets. But the dog brought on board by one of the doomed <laughs> is a bridge too far. Helen zips the dog into her jumpsuit before the team of assassins and the pilots don their parachutes and abandon the plane. And I think that chapter, which opens the book, tells the readers a great deal about these women. So you tell us about the, these women from, from that sort of point on. I mean, I really think that that was very informative about their character. Yeah, you know, I wanted to start off with a fun action sequence um, that was really going to tell you who they were as people, as well as how they worked together as a quartet, because... They were recruited at the same time, they trained together, but they don't always work together. And, you know, when we see the bulk of the action in the book, they're 60 years old, they're trying to retire. But for this very first opening set piece, they're 20 years old, you know, they're 21. This is the first time they've ever been out doing an assignment like this. And things kind of go wrong for them. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's how do they think on their feet? And Billy emerges as a sort of natural leader. And, you know, she, I think more than any of the four is the, is the heart of the quartet. Um, and, and we see personalities that when we see them later, it, 40 years have passed and yet they're not terribly different from who they were when they first started. And just a disclaimer, I did not kill the dog. I was not going to do that to readers, especially not in chapter one. No, I did not kill the dog. The dog was fine. Um, but yeah, I did, it did require a little, a little tinkering with that scene to make sure that the dog was going to make it. I, I, just as a funny, <laughs> a funny aside, ages ago, uh, I, I was uh, interviewing Bob Craze, and I've known him for a very, very long time. And we were talking about Suspect, and he said, to me, he goes, I've had readers and people I know, hardened cops come up to me and, you know, poke the book and say, I'm not going to read this if the dog dies. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the deal breaker. It's why I still haven't watched John Wick yet, even though I really, really want to, because who doesn't love Keanu? Um, it's like, I've heard that the dog dies and I'm not okay. Uh, and so I've, I've been reluctant to watch it. But yeah, I mean, that's the that's the deal breaker, isn't it? Like you can kill anybody else you want to, but man, not the dog, <laughs> not the dog. So you you mentioned uh, you you mentioned Billy and the past. Uh, I noticed uh, you toggle between the past and, and mm -hmm. sort of current. The past is told in the third person, but Billy narrates the present. 
Mm -hmm. uh, which starts in chapter two. So it's 40 years later, as you said, and the quartet are celebrating their retirement from the organization they refer to as the museum. And mm -hmm. they're doing it with a cruise on a luxury ocean liner. It's been a good, maybe great career. And Billy describes it. We're not sociopaths. We don't murder for fun or for free. We kill to get paid, which is very practical. So <laughs> that brings me to invisibility. You know, when you're looking over your shoulder, hunting for someone bent on you doing your harm, you don't usually fixate on the woman behind you, do you? You really don't. And, you know, this is one of the things that my editor was was really insistent that we pay very close attention to. Um, and, and she was absolutely right. You know, it, shortly after we started talking about doing this book, I was in New York City and I went to um, Bryant Square, uh, Bryant Park, uh, to sit and, and just kind of watch the, this beautiful spring afternoon go by. And I looked around at the people who were not drawing my attention. And there were a number of women who were probably 60, maybe a little north of that, and I started thinking about what amazing spies or assassins they would make because you really wouldn't look twice at them. And they were sitting there for ages, just kind of one of them was looking at a guidebook and one of them was doing a little knitting and one of them was just kind of looking around and taking in the city. And But they don't look suspicious and your your gaze just kind of skims right over them very lightly. And, and you know, they don't attract your attention in the way that... Um, that somebody who's who's younger or more active might, because we're we're conditioned as a society to kind of look past older women, and so we started talking about the idea of this being their superpower. You know, when they're younger women, it's their attractiveness and the fact that they're women that gets them a pass. I mean, we see it in the very first scene; they're they're posing as flight attendants um, in 1979. You know, so they're they're thought of as skirts and they get patted on the fanny. And, you know, that's not terribly long after the era of coffee, tea or me. So they're they're thought of as as, you know, kind of just being decorative, which is a, a, a great way to be underestimated. But as they age and beauty is not the the overwhelming uh, thing that catches your attention when you look at them, they have another superpower, which is that that kind of nondescript fading into the background thing that happens sometimes when you age and it happens to it happens to all of us i mean i'm i'm 54 now and it's a different world when you walk down the street than it was when you were 18 thank god <laughs> um it's different um but it you know i think that um it's just fascinating to me and this is something i've played with in my historical novels the fact that that servants are overlooked in Victorian times, the 1920s, you know, people don't really pay attention to staff. And so it's an issue of class making you disappear. And in this book, it was fun to, to play with the idea of age making you disappear um, and, and being able to use that and turn the tables on people because they just are not expecting you. The rub here is that uh, someone or more than one somebody wants the women retired permanently as it yes. made, made very dead. And the cruise <laughs> is a setup to assassinate the assassins. And right. the problem for the assassin is they're up against uh, 160 years of experience among the four of the women, and it makes them very hard to kill. Um, so you mentioned that they're, they have 
there's a certain invisibility because they're older. They have mad skills though. And, <laughs> and I had to, I had to think of that combination of mad skills and being chivied into retirement because uh -huh. maybe it, it's a personal note for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's a combination of the fact that they have a lot of skills, but you can see in that very first section when they're on the ship and they're dealing with other people from their organization who rely on technology, who rely on, you know, they're, they're one of the things that, that this foursome has is the ability to read people and, and an experience that is very low tech because what I deliberately do is strip away from them the resources that they would usually be able to fall back on. They are really having to go old school. They're having to make it up on the fly and they're having to kill people basically with just things you can find in the grocery store um, and, and figure out how to, how to do this the old fashioned way and how to kind of rely on everything that they've learned over 40 years without relying on all of, you know, like all of the goodies that James Bond would be getting from Q. Uh, they they don't have that. They don't have the quartermaster who's who's going to outfit them with all the 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 gadgets and gizmos and the 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 weapons and all that fun stuff. They they have um, one little uh, tech in because they know someone who's able to help them a little bit uh, with with a few technology issues. But as far as the kills go, they're very much thrown back on um, you know just the skills that they've acquired over four decades. Which are considerable, as they are indeed. Any, any woman who's worked <laughs> in a in a single field for forty or so years can tell you, they probably know what they're doing. And these four women absolutely certainly know what they're doing. Well, and they're you know they're the women who who would know how to do these things. Like you know, it's like any business when the when the technology goes down or the power goes out, and you have to go back to using. Uh, a pencil and paper or, you know, and you have to be able to figure things out the, the very old school way. These are, these are the people who can do that. You know, they're not going to be relying on all of the, the, the newest and, and uh, fanciest uh, things that, that have come down the pike. They, they know how to get this done kind of down and dirty. Uh, because of the way that they were trained. And we, we get, we get to see a little bit of their training and why it's the way it is um, at one point in the book, uh, because the, the, the present day action is interspersed with um, uh, some flashback scenes to show you, you know, who they were and where they came from. Um, and it, it, it does touch on that a little bit. So we see they owe a great deal to the person who trained them. And we won't mention her specifically, but let's just say that women have been participated in uh, assassinations and subterfuge and spying forever. So, Absolutely. Since biblical times. Uh, and I'm Absolutely. sure if, you, if I could read cuneiform, there are probably stories. Uh, <laughs> there too, but, um, I have no doubt. Unlike Billy, who, who has a number of languages, uh, I can't read cuneiform. Um, <laughs> You know, you mentioned uh, you mentioned something. So I'm going to skip ahead one question and go back. The best defense is often a strong offense, and so and that's what these four figure. 
Uh, but Deanna, this is so unladylike. <laughs> Thank you. I take that as a huge compliment. Ladylike is one of the worst things that you can say to me. Um, because ladylike is really just, I mean, how often is the word ladylike code for um, repressed and, you know, towing the patriarchal line? Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a code for sitting down and shutting up. And that is absolutely not who these women are. Uh, there is nothing about them that is uh, shy or modest or retiring, um, except when they have to be because they're they're undercover and they're acting out a role. Uh, the rest of the time, they are very unapologetically themselves. Well, you know, uh, that, and going back to my previous question, then is you know they may have been hired killers. You know, job's a job. Uh, 1979, <laughs> 1979 was not an easy time to be looking for work, but the four over the course of their, of their 40 year careers, they also had lives, you know, there were husbands, mm -hmm. a wife, lovers, leisure pursuits. Um, mm -hmm. And when they weren't on the job, they were people. And regardless of the specifics of what they planned to do in retirement, they did plan on staying alive. So the first order of business is figuring out who the hell's bent on eliminating them. And just to repeat, there's 160 years of experience here. So, and I think it's Billy that makes this point. They may not have the same range of motion in their knees, but they have a <laughs> whole lot of know-how. And so the mm -hmm. flip side of killing people, I think, is knowing how to avoid being killed. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They are because of the fact that they are elite assassins, they actually haven't had to do too much in the way of eluding other people. You know, they go in, they do a job, they come out. Um, and there's not a huge amount in the in the way of them being targeted because the best assassins are people you never hear about. You don't know their names. I mean, the, the best assassinations are jobs that you don't even realize were murders in the first place. Um, which a lot of times they're they're able to accomplish. You know, that's the point. You camouflage it with a plane crash or a fire or whatever, make it look like an accident. Um, and so a lot of what they've done has been very much under the radar, but they do know quite well how to take care of themselves. Um, and they've done, they've done uh, a good job of it throughout the years. You know, they've had a few close calls. Uh, we, Billy makes a brief allusion to having been, you know, in a, in a prison on the Pampas when a, a job in Argentina went wrong. Um, but they, they managed to, to kind of get through and get the job done. Um, and I, I think that may be another reason possibly why people underestimate them a little bit is because of the fact that, that, you know, they make it look easy, don't they? <laughs> well, they're good at what they do. So they're very good at what they do. I think it's very, I think it's very enlightened and not a little bit brave of your publisher to think in terms of these four as, as the protagonists of a book, uh, older women. What is the expectation? Because, you know, right, I went back to the, you know, writing is a business. So what is the expectation of the reception of this book? I mean, it's, it is a great read. I think it would be a great read for anybody. And I am a woman of a certain age. <laughs> um, so I guess, I guess that's a question. I mean, I think, I think, will you, do you think it will be thought provoking to those who might be younger than the women uh, that you're, that are the central characters in your book, you know, like, 
yeah, you know, maybe, maybe older women are smarter than we think they are or more tech savvy or more mm -hmm. savvy, savvy. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think one of the things that we really want is we want role models who are older than we are so that we can look to them and say, that's the kind of, of older age I want, you know, that's, that's what I want to mature into. Um, again, not somebody who's got a, a, a piano wire tucked in her back. Yeah, not that we're encouraging people to <laughs> be accomplished assassins because that would be wrong. No, 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 no. Um, and, you know, I feel like I need to issue a disclaimer that probably all the methods I list in the book would actually kill somebody. So please don't try them um, uh -huh. because not cool. Um, we're not advocating that you murder anybody. This is just for fun. Um, but I, I, I think, yeah, I think the idea, you know, I, I was, I was an 80s teen. So when I was a teenager, Golden Girls came on and I was absolutely shocked when we first started talking about this book, you know, in the publishing house to, to one of the, the, um, the executives there was making the point that, you know, it, it, it was very much like golden girls meets killing Eve. And I, my first thought was absolutely not. The golden girls were ancient. No, they weren't. They were my age. They were 54, <laughs> 55. And I, I mean, that's how old, um, you know, uh, Dorothy's character was supposed to be. And I was absolutely shocked. And I realized over the, the, the decades since that show came on, how much our vision of what a 55 year old, 60 year old woman is supposed to look like, because now 60 years old is Jamie Lee Curtis, who looks amazing, by the way. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's Angela Bassett. It's Diane Lane is getting close to that, you know? So we, we have these, these women who no longer look like what 60 used to look like. And I, I think as, as we start to, you know, kind of take a different sort of care of ourselves in middle age, um, middle age moving into older age looks different than it used to. And, um, it, it certainly moves differently than it used to. Uh, and, and to me, that was, that was so much fun to play with. And I, I think readers are going to have a lot of fun imagining that. And, you know, there've been a couple of really, really great kind of cozy, uh, mystery series to come out of Scandinavia in the last few years that have featured elderly protagonists, um, doing bad things. Um, one of them is a murderer. One of them is an art thief. But they're they're more in the 80, 85-year-old range. They've got walkers. Um, <laughs> and so it was very important to me to look at these women who are supposed to be 60, year old, 60 years old and say, yeah, they're still doing Pilates. You know, they're still doing yoga. They're, they're trying to, because they work in a field that is more active and more challenging, if nothing else, they're trying to stave off the jet lag. You know, they're, they're, they're lifting weights and popping their little calcium supplements so they don't, you know, have to worry about osteoporosis. And uh, they're, they're very much taking care of themselves in a way that you, you look around and you see plenty of 60-year-olds doing now, um, which maybe they weren't doing to the same extent or quite as visibly 20 or 30 years ago. Or hmm. it's the boomers that are now in there mid fifties or actually you would be a Gen X or I'm Gen X. Yeah. But those of us who are uh, boomers, you know, we've always been different. Mm -hmm. so we're going to be different as old people too. So we tell ourselves. <laughs>
So, you know, you've written two series. Uh, you've written standalones and novellas and a novella prequel <laughs> to novels. And books to writers are a lot like their children. I've, I've written two books, so I can say that. You know, they love them all, but they they are more, sometimes they're more partial to one than the other. So I have to ask, where does Killers of a Certain Age fit in your bookish family? Oh, well, right now it is my spoiled youngest child. Um, it's my it's my adored and much beloved and very unexpected baby. Uh and I, and the funny thing is, I've actually written another one of my Victorian mysteries since I've turned this in that I, I literally just finished, but I'm not ready to, to launch and promote that one yet. So it's, it's, it killers is front and center. And it was, it was such a different book to write um, that it has been an extraordinarily special experience. Um, and I, I, I see the, the, the response that it's getting. Um, and how people are reacting to it. And um, it is, it, it's really having the impact uh, that, that I wanted it to, that I hoped it would. And, and that's very, very exciting. And we are, um, as of this evening, when you and I are talking, we are just a couple of weeks away from actually launching it and, and getting it out there in the world, which I am incredibly excited to do. Um, mostly because I just really want to talk about these characters and I'm so tired of having to not talk about them um, and say, just wait, read the book. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that people are going to be able to get their hands on it and I can start talking about it properly. Well, thank you for that because I'm excited that you can talk about <laughs> it too. I read it, uh, I read it quite a while ago and, and I just mm -hmm. kept coming back to it and coming with me. And, and, and so my final question are, is sort of mm -hmm. like, these are com very compelling characters. And you've mm -hmm. mentioned that you wrote one, uh, another, another installment in one of your series. But are mm -hmm. we going to see this quartet again, singly or together? That is absolutely something I can't comment on right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I will leave it there. <laughs> Well, but I would I, I will tell you that I would I would absolutely love to um, to have another another go round or two with these women because they are um, they are just, as I've said, and as I will continue to say, so much fun. They're killers of a certain age. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time <laughs> and for talking about this book and 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 indulging me uh, in 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 talking about it without introducing any spoilers. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate that. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. No, it's absolutely been my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. 